Hi, welcome back to the Mom Mentality Show. My name is Austin Chadwick and co-host is Chris Lucian. And uh, very excited today have Daniel Vacanti joining us on the show. Uh, we're going to hit some fun, exciting topics, including predictability, metrics, forecasting, Kanban, and maybe anything in Agile. We'll see where we land uh, before. But before jumping into that, uh, Daniel, do you mind giving an introduction for yourself? Uh, yeah. Uh, hello, everyone. I, I just want to say thanks so much for the uh, invitation to be here. Glad, glad to be part of the show. Um, hopefully, we'll have a little bit of fun. Um, you know, I go, uh, I go back in my uh, my career too long. I don't, I don't like to 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 talk about too long. But I can say I got my start start programming in C, if that if that dates me at all. Um, but over the years, crossed over to management and especially um, agile management and and things like that. But the last you know, 15 years or so been focused mostly on, uh, you know, on Kanban and um, the metrics and predictability side of Kanban, which which I think we're going to talk a lot about today. So I don't know. That's my story in 25 words or less. I hope that hope that does a good enough job. <laughs> okay. no, that's awesome. We could have tweeted that. That was that was the sufficient number of characters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, perfect. All right. Right on. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. What would you been thinking about lately on predictability? Uh, yeah, well, you know, any anything and anything, but mo mostly around just how how badly it's done in Agile, how badly it's talked about in, in in Agile. We were talking before before we hit the record button. We were talking about, uh, you know, how um, I just I, I, um, I'm becoming quite the curmudgeon um, in my old age, uh, and I I really just just like to complain. But um, uh, you know, so 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 much of Agile, I think, wants to sweep the idea of predictability under the rug. You know, we don't we don't like to talk about that. You know, Agile. You know, um, which is unfortunate because that's really all our customers care to talk about, and it's it's reasonable for them. It's reasonable for our customers to care about predictability. It's perfectly reasonable. You know, how why would they spend money? You know, why would they invest in projects? Why would they start any project unless they they have some 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 idea of you know duration and cost and and all of those things? So. Mm -hmm. um, Hopefully we'll get into it, but uh, we, what, the, the, the elephant in the room that we need to talk about is um, how we think about predictability, I think, needs needs to change. You know, I think what, what most agilists rail against is tra traditional ways of thinking about predictability. Um, and there are different ways to think about predictability, which is what I've, I've been focusing on the past several years. Nice, nice. Yeah. And I think, uh, I guess I'll share a bit. You know, once I started doing uh, extreme programming, you know, mob programming, test-driven development, and Kanban, uh, I kind of uh, jumped into an environment where we did all those things. Um, one really fantastic side effect, uh, even though we weren't giving estimates, was that we were very predictable, I guess, from the outside, right? It was just right. like every day was a stream of value, you know, right. like we were delivering daily to production. And, um, and I've always loved that as a nice side effect of like a healthy team. Um, and I, you know, it's one thing that uh, numbers and, uh, you know, that kind of stuff I, is an area of learning and growth for me. But one thing I can attest to is that it's something that the customers, whether internal or external can feel, right? <laughs> is that, oh, this team is very predictable in their ability to to generate value or run experiments on the market. And um, yeah, and I, and I just love seeing that side effect. It's it's almost fun to come into a team that is not predictable <laughs> in that way. And, you know, uh, you know, start delivering daily and 
see the trust increase because of that. I, I don't know. What's your experience been in this world? <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you brought up the the, the term customer because uh, I, I think that's the most that's the most important factor. Um, we when we talk about predictability, we need to talk about it in the language of the customer, and we need to talk about it from the perspective of the customer. Like you said, how they experience uh, how they experience it. Um, you know, we. We can't go around making up stuff like, and I don't want to drag us down into the whole story points thing, but we can't go around, you know, making up random stuff like story points or, you know, really um, arbitrary and I would say even grotesque estimation techniques and and, and things like that. Um, That's because that's like you said that our customers cannot relate to that. Um, So anything that we can do uh, to, um, like I said, put, put this in the context of, of the customer so so they can relate to what we're talking about. That's where we're going to be successful. And as much as we can make it uh, experiential, as you said, as, as much as they can feel it, as much as they can touch it, as much as it's tangible for them, um, then we'll really, really be successful. So uh, do you have any, I guess, techniques or, or, or things that you'd uh, tell people worked for you and or other people that you've worked with? What, what, um, what does it look like to go from the intangible, hard to understand to the concrete and, and understandable? Yeah, see, and, that, and that's, where, <laughs> that's where I wish I had a great answer for that. You know, and I, I always tell people, if, if I had an, a specific answer to that question, um, as much as I love come, coming on these shows, as much as I love talking to you people, I wouldn't be, I'd be on a beach counting all my money somewhere. Yeah. I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing that. Right. Um, but I think for, for me, it starts with, first of all, getting people to understand that, um, there is no such thing as determinism in our world. It just does not exist. Deterministic thinking, you got to, got to check that at the door. And when I'm, when mm-hmm. I mean deterministic thinking, I mean, thinking in terms of 100%. There's no certainty, right? You, as both of you know, our world is dominated by uncertainty. And the second uncertainty enters in the equation, then you have to start taking a probabilistic approach and not a mm. deterministic one. Yeah. Uh, so, so first and foremost is kind of making that switch over to, there's no 100% right answer. There's no 100% wrong answer, right? But, the, but the, there's, you know, degrees of risk in between, you know, the, those two outcomes and being able to, to be able to quantify that risk, this is another thing I think that our customers really care about is really understanding risk. Being able to quantify that risk, quantify that uncertainty um, and uh, make it visible, make it transparent to the customer so we can have the, the, that, that real conversation about what, 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 what outcomes they're looking for. That's I think where the conversation needs to start. So, and, and we, can, we, can, we can dive deeper into you know, some, some techniques that we, you, might, you might come up with to, to quantify you know, yeah. all of that, that uncertainty, but it has to start there. Now, um, at the risk of rambling a little bit too much, that's usually where we lose the, where I lose the customers. Cause you know, they're, they're always like, just, well, just give me a date. Why can't you just give me a date? You know? Um, and, yeah. uh, and so that's why that, that's where some, you know, some, some discussion needs to happen around. Well, I can give you a date. Um, but, the better answer is you tell me what date you want and I will tell you what your chances of hitting that date. Okay. The probability driven approach. So is that sort of like Monte Carlo simulation or something along those lines, or is it in a different direction? No, most, most definitely Monte Carlo simulation is a, a, an approach. It's not the only approach, but it Mm. is an approach. Um, But just, just understanding, I would say variability in data in general, but, but yes, the, uh, the, the path that you're talking about, is there a way that we can use 
the the past data that we've collected off of our our process mm-hmm. uh, to help predict you know what what those future outcomes might be. But absolutely, Monte Carlo simulation might yeah, be one yeah. of those techniques. Hopefully, it is one of those techniques. <laughs> and then uh, you know, I, I hear a lot of um, uh, single sizing or you know, basically going down to the smallest common denominator piece and then, you know, breaking down tasks and then counting up those tasks and things as well. Um, there's also, you know, the, uh, just simple cost of delay prioritization without, without duration. Um, and because, you know, it's, it's funny because I think a lot of people out there, spend so much time trying to figure out when they can make the product that they never make it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and so there's also, so that piece piece of it, Um, you know, uh, I guess where, um, where do you see, so, so, you know, I think one thing that I've I've often stumbled on in the past is um, the interpretation of those numbers varies across large organizations. And, um, and sometimes that misinterpretation, uh, you know, things become uh, first they 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 start with being a prediction you know, with a probability, and and gradually they migrate the, their way to um, a a reason for blame and, and <laughs> like the fundamental attribution error. Um, do you have any advice for people that run into those sorts of things? Um. <laughs> I mean, not, 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 not really. Uh, unfortunately, I. Uh, the thing is, uh, I, so I'm a, I'm a big I'm a big fan of a- Annie Duke. Um, whenever this type of topic comes up, I don't know if, if you're yeah. both familiar with Annie Duke. She's an ex professional uh, poker player. She's written a, written a couple books, um, and she she talks about um, how most people correlate good outcomes with good decisions and bad outcomes with bad decisions. Mm. And the thing is you can make, you can make all the right decisions, you know, all along the process, like you're talking about Chris and still have a bad, bad outcome. Like uh, we missed the date. Um, The project wasn't successful. Um, The the product wasn't as valuable as we thought it was, whatever, whatever, whatever. Right. Mm. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're wrong. You just got unlucky. Right. And that's, and that's possible. And so that's why whenever people start trying to play the blame game, um, you know, I, I think it's important to kind of focus back on, well, what was our decision-making process all along? And was that decision-making, was that decision-making sound? Was there different data that we, we should have looked at? Was there, you know, context that we ignored, whatever. Um, and I think there are a lot of examples out there that kind of help with that. One, one of my favorites um, and anybody who's kind of seen the stuff I do before, one of my favorites is, you know, comparing, you know, how they forecast hurricanes. I live in South Florida, so, you know, I, I care about how hurricanes are forecast. And, you know, if, if you look at the science of how they forecast hurricanes, um, you know, uh, no one ever goes back and blames the, um, uh, the, the, uh, why can't it, why, why, why can't even meteorologist? meteorologist yeah, 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 yeah. But the, 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 the government agency, yeah, NOAA, NOAA, is the NOAA, but yeah, a national hurricane center. God, I don't know why yeah. I drew a complete blank on that. <laughs> no one goes back and blames the national hurricane center because, oh, hey, the hurricane changed path, you know, whatever. I mean, that's, yeah. that's just kind of the way complex systems work. Now, mm-hmm. the question is, once you get that signal that it's changing path, what do you do? That's to me, that's, that's the more interesting conversation, but yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's that. The, the blame game absolutely is, is dangerous, and um, 
so so maybe maybe pulling back to the point where you know training people on a team about complex adaptive systems so that the the probability or you know uh the elaboration on the numbers related to the probabilities understood from that perspective may be a first step and then um yeah so something along those lines and, and then I'm, I'm sure that kanban has a lot to do with with uh, predictability in general but um yeah yeah but yes yeah so so it's not it's not only um it's not only yes taking a step back and understanding those numbers yeah. um but it's also the responsibility to update update those predictions as you get more information right you know we could do we can do all the, and this is not, not 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 to bash Scrum too much, but I think this is the kind of the um, the trap that a lot of Scrum teams fall into, is they think the planning, you know, sprint planning is only done at the beginning of the sprint, and then oh, we got the plan, we got to have the plan, we got to work the plan, that's the plan, and that's the plan, we got to do the plan, right? That's and that's I think how a lot of quote unquote agile teams uh, think, and that's and that's honestly not how Scrum's supposed to work, right? Every day you're Short supposed to waterfall. You're supposed to, yes, you're supposed to inspect and you're supposed to update that plan as you get new information. Yeah. So I think that's that's the second piece is not only understand that there's uncertainty, um, but you know, certainly you you have the ability and the responsibility to update update your forecast as you get new information. Yeah. We call think... that sorry, we call that continuous forecasting. Just so you know. Anyway. Continuous forecasting. Okay, I'm gonna write that down. Continuous forecasting. I like that. Hashtag. Hashtag yeah. continuous <laughs> forecasting. Boom. Uh, yeah, so the, and I really like um, this analogy of the hurricane. And I think, you know, like forecasting that is much more attuned to what it's like to forecast, a, you know, a, a complex uh, software development process or whatever. And, you know, but I think in a lot of people's minds, it's like in the same category as making uh, burgers, right? <laughs> so it's just like, why can't you forecast this? Yeah. Um, one, go ahead. And, and so I was just gonna say, if you've ever been in a project that's, you know, yeah. chaotic and going off the rails it feels like you're in the middle of a hurricane doesn't it? i mean that's what it really yeah. is what it feels like right? <laughs> certainly yeah it's a good analogy on several on several fronts there yeah, yeah. and uh it reminded me of one quote from uh the book uh thinking fast and slow and it was talking about uh fields that kind of deal with this kind of thing but unfortunately the market doesn't appreciate it uh, the quote is experts who acknowledge the full extent of their ignorance may expect to be replaced by more confident competitors who are better able to gain the trust of their clients. An unbiased appreciation of uncertainty is the cornerstone of rationality, but it is not what people and organizations want. Right. <laughs> so like, right. and I guess the question is, we've been kind of uh, tackling a little bit, but I, I kind of ask it to both of you because I've seen Chris do this as well. Recently, uh, Chris and I were working together and uh, I overheard how he was talking with another part of the organization that's more business-minded and he was phrasing the work we were doing as far as bets, like, okay, you know, imagine you go to the casino and every day they're making a bet on how to solve this problem. Because we were dealing with a very, uh, you know, a, a, a piece of R&D that was a lot of unknowns, just like a very high list of unknowns. And so um, we really didn't know what we don't know. <laughs> and we're just running experiments every day to figure it out. You know, how, I guess maybe a question to both of you, how do you help change the language from certainty to uncertainty from uh non-betting commitment language to betting language I, I don't know like when you're working with leaders chris do you want to go first on oh, that uh, <laughs> yeah that's a complex question <laughs> yeah 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 well you know so um 
the, uh, I think a long time ago, I, I read uh, The Power of Habit. And one thing that um, really stuck with me, I think is like chapter eight in that book. So like everything is about like your own personal habits in that book, except chapter eight is like, and I might be wrong on the number, but um, it, it's on organizational habits, right? And it's like a cue, a habit, a reward. And um, and I think, like you know, that's like maybe the first step in, in kind of elaborating on the system and, and getting people to understand that like, you know, oh, you know, a cue might be you're asked for an estimate and then the habit is to like do 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 some of the work and then and then the reward only comes if like you did it within the time box that the estimate was given and then and then all of a sudden like that cue habit reward cycle gradually degrades your ability to produce work because um you know either you underestimate it and you're going to do a quality sabotage to the project by asking for that stuff or you're gonna go the opposite direction and overestimate the time but but that means that you can pay down some of the technical debt that you accumulated before. And, and it kind of becomes like a Parkinson's law uh, gets <laughs> involved too. And so, so I went from kind of getting, you know, more, more discussion around organizational habits, um, talking about uncertainty, like bets uh, and, and using the, the term bet, I think is really good, especially from like a product ownership standpoint. Um, and then, and then gradually getting into like the effects of complex adaptive systems. And, you know, it's like that habit loop for the organization is one of many complex adaptive systems that are, are basically, um, they're acting as balancing loops on quality and, uh, and things along those lines. And so, so when you, when you combine all of it, um, and, and, and so, but also there's turnover in the organization. And that turnover, people come in with ideas that that stuff is still good. And so when they come into the organization, they they have the original perspective. So it's it's a treadmill of like uh, of re-educating of of, of change, shifting per perspective and, and those sorts of things. I, I, I find that that ends up being a common motif. I don't know, uh, Daniel, if you... <laughs> Have more of that. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I just want to double down. Really, um, we, we were just talking about Annie Duke and her, her. I think it was her first book. I think it was her first book. Is literally called Thinking in Bets. Um, and so that's that's what I start doing. I just start handing out that book when when we start talking about how, how do we get people nice. to nice. embrace uncertainty. It's like, and same with you. It's like for for that book, most people probably really only need to read chapters one, two, and six. Really, it's like here, just 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 read those, you know, and then let's talk. But you really need to think like a poker player. That's absolutely what what you need to do. And 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 think about think about the habits of poker players. You know, for for those of you who are familiar with with uh, like say Texas Hold'em, a poker player doesn't sit down at a table and think, okay, first hand, I'm going to go all in, right? I mean, unless it's obviously the absolute perfect hand, which you know never happens, right? They, yeah. The idea of playing poker is to see as many hands as you can, right? The longer, because the idea is to sit at the table for as long as possible, right? That, that's what you want to do. So they've got this concept called bankroll management. And it's like, you know, what's what's the absolute smallest bet that I can place, you know, to be able to get more information? How do I how do I place a small bet to get more information? And, you know, like I said, they, they call that bankroll management. And like I said, it's, it's, it's the same thing with, uh, with, with product ownership. Yeah, uh, you know, you 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 talked about like cost of delay and stuff like that before. Um, yeah. 
I, I, I cringe. I cringe when I hear um, prioritization techniques like that because so many people think that they understand. They understand value up front. They understand duration up front. They understand. Yeah. How, and the thing is, you don't. You have. You don't have a clue. You might think that you do, but you don't. So the question is, what's the smallest bet that we can place to find out if what we think is right? Mm-hmm. Um, and more often than not, you can be wrong. My my friend Pratik Singh, who co-hosts the, the Drunk Agile um, thing that we're maybe we're going to talk about later, later, later. <laughs> he likes to say, yeah, the the trick to Agile, the idea behind Agile is to find out how wrong you are as quickly as possible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally agree with that. And and yeah, so there's definitely like an organizational habit space and. Um, yeah, so cost of delay. So how can you know cost of delay? You really can't, right? But you can, you have an expectation of where that might be. And, and so, you know, thin vertical slices based on cost of delay, that cost of delay technically should be what will give you more information about exposing more of more information about the market, right? So, so believe, believe it or not, uh, Pratik and I went, we, we did a whole bunch of research on this um, and we ran a bunch of simulations. Um, and what we found out was that because you don't know, because you don't know value up front, or because you don't know cost of delay up front, you're actually much better off, much better off just choosing the work you do at random rather than <laughs> trying to prioritize yeah. based yeah. on cost of delay. Yeah. Um, you you'll have a much better chance of success, and I can we can put the reference to the paper that we wrote up on this if if anybody's interested. So, so um, yeah, I love that point. Um, so so how would you like in practice, right? So so obviously, I think most organizations and anybody with with the ability to fund a project, um, how do you have any thoughts about how you would convince somebody to to go that route besides maybe this is an academic paper on <laughs> uh, i mean the, the 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 i mean uh i've i've got a bunch of anecdotal evidence and yeah. you know, the for me the strongest anecdotal evidence is the company that i created and the mm-hmm. company that i ran that's exactly how we did it i never had a backlog Never, ever, 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 ever had a backlog. Never did any mm-hmm. type of prioritization. Never did any, any of that stuff. It's like whenever something finished, I have a quick conversation with the team. It's like, okay, based on what we just learned, what makes sense is the next thing that we should pull in, right? Mm-hmm. And like on the spot there, we would create a story or or whatever and and pull it in. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, I, I, and so I hear I hear all of these again. I hear all these techniques about you know, how you should manage backlogs and how you should prioritize them and how you should order them. And I'm like, what, why? Because <laughs> like you're saying, you spend more time doing that than yes. you do actual work. And it's like, is that really where your customers want you to invest your time and money? Yeah. You know? yep. Yeah. And you know what, what's funny about that is I'm reflecting on my planning practice over time, uh, over my 15 year career. And I think early on, the emphasis on planning techniques was higher. (laughs) And now, you know, so just uncritically, like if I just look at, if you threw me in a room now and said, okay, help these people plan and prioritize. It's almost like, it's almost like what you said, sure, whatever, let's do it. You know, like whatever you people want to do, because if you're right, that it is random, you know, is better than anything else. Let's do something and then we'll learn from it, you know? And so- after we do the first piece of it tomorrow, 
we'll get back together maybe and then plan the next thing, you know, and so we'll learn from what we did, you know, and so it reminds me of uh, Kent Beck's quote on planning, which says, we'll make the plan quickly and cheaply. So there'd be little inertia when we must change it. Right. And I think, but I think most businesses think of, hey, what's the six month plan I can make that's first uh, surefire that will generate millions. Right. You know, and so it's kind of like, (laughs) It's like the opposite right. paradigm of that, right? right. So. Yeah. So sure, let's let's spend weeks coming up with a six month plan that is going to be invalid the very first day of the project, right? Let's okay, right. That, that, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. But yeah, that's why that's why I think it's so important to come back to talking about the language of bets, talking about the language of experimentation, right? Each item that we're working on, it's a bet, it's an experiment, right? And so we need to we we need to find out was that bet successful? Was that did, did the did the results of the experiment match the hypothesis that we had? Um, you know, those, that's, I think, the language that we really need to start using. Nice, nice. Yeah. And I think, I think common sense will probably jump in a little bit, right? You, you know, it's not like you're going to be like, hey, we're going to make, uh, you know, you know, something completely invaluable tomorrow. You know, I mean, I, I mean, maybe yeah. you would learn from that as well, I guess. But I, I think people will generally do something that's within a ballpark of something reasonable for a product development organization right. to do, but. <laughs> well, I mean, think about, I mean, given, given the time, I don't know if we, we should be, be dating ourselves here, but, you know, we just <laughs> passed the, the three-year anniversary of the beginning of the pandemic, you know, and, and think yeah. about on March 1st, 2020, how many six month or year plans were out there yeah. that immediately got trashed, you know? Yeah. 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 Like, and that, that kind of, I'm not saying the pandemics happen every year, but there's certainly things that are going to happen like that. Yeah. That happen. We're, we're starting to see some some uncertainty in the banking sense, you know, sector. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, customers at SVB when they woke up on Monday morning, I was like, whoa, wait a second, you know. Yeah. Uh, so you know that that kind of stuff that that happens all the time. So it's uh, it's it's a fallacy to say that we gain certainty um, or that we drive out risk by planning. And the truth is, you don't drive out risk by planning; you drive out risk by doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Uh, so maybe to switch topics slightly, um, so we've been talking quite a bit about predictability and forecasting, um, is how does this all tie into Kanban in your mind? So in, I guess when I hear the word Kanban, what comes to mind either is like, uh, you know, the the manufacturing floor, uh, uh, where I remember, I remember the first time an, uh, a process engineer or manufacturing engineer showed me what Kanban meant in manufacturing versus software and i'm like oh wow it's physically a, a thing you know mm-hmm. in a queue you know <laughs> and so uh and so but for for software it's like the to do doing done kind of thing uh and uh you know w- how does this all tie into kanban for you so um for me one of the ways one of the best ways to achieve predictability and um Austin, you were actually talking about this before whether you knew it or not you were talking about it. <laughs> um one of the best ways to um uh, to, to to come up with predictability to, to to build a predictable system is is to to manage this thing called flow right mm. so when you talk about hey, I got into a team and we we were we were delivering every day and all this stuff and it's like you know our our our, our customers felt predictability what they're really feeling was flow that's what they that, that's what they were they were really feeling so if you care about predictability one of the, one of the best ways to achieve predictability is to manage this thing called flow and for me, what Kanban is, again, in 25 words or less, is just a strategy to optimize flow. 
that's that's how we talk about what what are some things that we can do to optimize flow and that strategy will involve certain tactics and practices it will involve things like hey let's limit the number of things we're working on at a given time you know a la mob or ensemble programming right let's uh let's visualize our work so we can see where there are potential problems in our process let's track certain metrics so we can measure the health and performance of our process and maybe the data can tell us where we've got problems and things like that so there are certain certain practices and certain tactics that will help us to optimize flow. And, and Kanban, like I said, my, my broad definition of Kanban is what are those what are those set of practices that will help us to optimize flow? Ah, oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, and I mean, I think I don't know if I've ever, I mean, tied it directly to flow before. So that's kind of a light bulb moment for me. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously it is related to flow, right? Because if let's say you take a team and you say, hey, you have a work in progress of one, right? <laughs> or whatever, or, or do something like that, it's going to change the flow. Um, okay, cool. Um, maybe, what, what are some of those uh, practices that come to mind? Maybe a concrete practice, that maybe, maybe your go-to uh, practice there. So, I mean, there, there are, honestly, I can, I can name all three very quickly. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, 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 the three fundamental ones that make up Kanban. Uh, the first one is you have to have um, some definition of of what your workflow is. You know, you have to have you know a well-defined start point, well-defined endpoint, and and how work is flowing between those points. Um, and then that work should be visualized somewhere. So that's that's kind of practice number one: define and visualize your work. Uh, number two, now once you've got that, is as items are moving through your process, are you actively managing those items? So things like we don't want to let an item gets stuck in a column arbitrarily anywhere. I should say stuck in a state of the workflow anywhere. You know, if it's blocked, what are we doing uh, to unblock it? If it's aging unnecessarily, what can we do to prevent it from aging? You know, so there's some some active management of those items. You know, it's not just it's not just oh hey we put up a Kanban board and magically flow happens. That's not how it works, right? <laughs> so, um, and then the last one is based on those first two. How do we understand where we spot improvements and how do we improve our process? Uh, you know, over time. So define and visualize a workflow, actively manage items in the workflow, improve the workflow. Those are the, the, the three big components of Kanban at a very, very high level, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so so you have, you have predictability, you have Kanban, you have kind of the combination of the two. Um, what... Uh, Anything else that you'd add on top of those, like, you know, as, as far as like, um, you know, a direction that you'd go. So, so, um, you know, I, I think you're, you're kind of getting from like the higher level, uh, you know, down farther, any other thoughts like around any of that? Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're really wanting to start, if, if anyone out there has, has never really played around with, with flow and you're really wanting to get your feet wet, um, the place, and I always say this, I mean, cause I can, I can give what I think is very, very hands-on, very simple way to get started. Um, the, the place that I would start is to look at a, a flow metric called work item aging. Mm. Um, and if you, we, we have a Kanban guide published and there's a lot of information out there if you, if you, if you go look up work item aging. Um, but it's this idea of as items are moving through your process, they are aging. And um, not that aging is necessarily bad because things have to age as they go through your process. The question is how much age is too much age? Yeah. Uh, and the only way we can answer that question is if we're actually tracking it and we're actually looking at it. And you'd be surprised 
both you, Austin and Chris, and you, the wider audience, would be surprised how much information is encapsulated just in that one metric yeah, of work item age, just, just the, the, the conversations that can be sparked just by, by looking at that. It's like, hey, look, all of our all of our stories usually take three or four days to get done, but this one's been on our board for 33 days. You know what, you know what, what's 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 going on here? So that's honestly fundamentally, that's where I start. Every other I think people think I think I'm exaggerating, I think, when I say this, but pretty much every other practice of flow can be derived from that the first principle of just look at aging. Mm-hmm. That yes, that makes a lot of sense to me, and that would it, it really starting to uh, connect the dots for me in um, kind of the lean world where uh, the waste of excess inventory, right? And mm-hmm. so a, a light bulb moment within the last five years for me was realizing that until it's providing value to a user, it's excess inventory from a lean yep. waste. Like if we had a man, a physical manufacturing floor, it's stuff sitting on the floor not generating value for anybody right right and and not only yeah not only is that inventory costing us money but it's perishable Mm -hmm. you know um so the 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 two best ways to prevent items from aging the two best ways to prevent you know inventory building up on the the factory floor is number one finish it right or number two don't start it and so if you think about it if we're focused on finishing and 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 focused on not starting that's We've just backed into the, the concept of controlling work in progress, right? That's yeah. right. So, right. And okay. And, and like I said, we, we can just kind of go, go down from there. Yeah. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And it, it, it's cool to think about it. Like you said, it, it fundamentally gets down to that. And I think as I look at work that I'm currently involved in, or I look at the work of others, I think you're right. Like that, that, if you were to pick one thing that says the most information, right? If you just know that one thing, you know a lot about what's going on of the flow of that system, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. If the answer is six months versus one day, you know, like they're, you know, that you could, you could, your brain just starts to fill in the gaps of like what their process is, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, at least you could start asking some questions, you know, there might be very, very good reasons yeah, why yeah. that thing is right. But are, are, are we at least asking the question and having that that conversation, or did this thing just get forgotten about and ignored, or you know, or, or something yeah. like that? So yeah, yeah. And, and Chris, I think the one you add to, I don't, I don't think you called it uh, uh, work item aging, but I think you you just talk about, uh, I think it's like bug defects and then uh, delivery, right? Yeah, like yeah. So it's cycle time, and, cycle time. Yeah, so like the traditional yeah. Dora metrics, right? I guess mm-hmm. they've become tradition uh, fairly recently. <laughs> but um, yeah, so so uh, you know, mean time recovery, cycle time, all those things. But but like you know, I like the idea of this of uh, just work item aging because it's it's yeah. If if a team has like a single item whip uh, and and that team has been stuck for a very long time, like something maybe fundamentally broken. Um, examples that I can think of, like, you know, is uh, even like whole, whole group par- portions of the team that we're working on it go on vacation and and work goes down to a crawl while they're on vacation. And you can kind of see that right away. It's like, oh, well, why didn't we just have somebody like back them up while they were gone? Um, and so then that one's a really easy one to just, let it fly because it's like oh it's their responsibility it'll be on them when they get back but 
it never really should be that right um but, and, and so like one of our lofty goals in our department is uh zero silos anyone can take a vacation at any time and if you if you look at work item aging and your aging is affected by a vacation or sick leave or whatever like that's an indicator that there is room for improvement for sure at the very well, least um well, well yeah and, and i mean to me that would hopefully very quickly lead to a policy of if you know you have a vacation coming up yeah and you're about ready to start something and yeah. you don't have a reasonable expectation of being able to finish this thing before you go on vacation go help somebody else out right don't pull something new in yeah go help yeah. go help out something else or maybe go do some type of improvement activity or you yeah. know wh whatever um yeah. that because because uh, yeah. that, that gets to the, the waste to Austin that, that you were talking about. If we pull it in, we don't get it done. You go on vacation. And like, like Chris, you're saying there's a silo and nobody else can pick it up. Well, now we've, we've just wasted all that work. Yeah. And all that. yeah. 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 And, and I think um, I like your hypothesis and maybe I'll give one uh, friendly challenge to it, uh, uh, Daniel, which was it all comes down to work item aging. I would be tempted to add some sort of quality to that or defects or something to that, right? Because you can imagine a team that delivers something to production every day or 10 things to production every day, but they're just, you know, <laughs> making a terrible customer experience or something, right? And so yeah. um, you were saying that work item aging, everything else could be derived from that. Is there, how, do, how would quality or defects tie into that, I guess? Great, great question. I, lo I love the challenge, by the way. Um, uh. <laughs> you're, 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 if, if I may, you're making an assumption. I think you're making an assumption. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you're making an assumption that the clock stops when something goes to production. And uh. I would say if what you really care about is quality, the clock doesn't stop when it gets to production. The mm. clock stops once once that quality has been verified your, your file or value has been, been verified away. or whatever. Yeah, that's when the clock stops. Ah, uh, I see. So, but, but... <laughs> But uh, uh, what what I what, what I would say, Austin, is I mean, for a lot of teams, maybe that's that's an easy place to start. Let's just start with measuring until we get to production. Um, but then we can start talking about these the things like you're saying, Austin. But yeah, but we're still suffering from quality. Well, okay, how do we how do we address these quality issues? How can our metrics help inform some of these quality issues? Uh, and that's and that's how we would tweak over time. At the very least, having the clock start again when you realize that the quality wasn't there is is a good yeah. you know yeah yeah whatever whatever that policy is what what <laughs> whatever helps us to highlight that like i said i asked the question yeah. yeah and i think yeah that that really helps a lot uh, i had some recently uh, me and a few others did a talk on getting things done and someone objected very strongly on social media to it because uh, <laughs> we were asked to speak and it was like a theme of talks about getting things done and 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 it was something like done doesn't matter but and I think I think I think they're correct if their definition of done is like what you said, as soon as it's out there. Right. Or um, works on but, my machine. Yeah. Yeah. Works on my machine. Yeah. That kind of thing, Right. Yeah, exactly. But if done is more of an outcome, you know, customer with value, you know, without major defects or something like that, then then the aging is all that matters. If, if that's how you're defining the it, the aging ceasing, right? I suppose, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. I think you convinced me. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I know, but I may no. Like I said, keep. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I want everybody, and this is an invitation again for everybody out there. Keep keep yeah. the challenge. Keep the challenges coming because you know I think yeah. I still think there 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 are better ways to think about this stuff. But um. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. 
Well, uh, yeah, this was uh, this was a very uh, a good conversation and covered a lot of great topics. Um, and uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask, uh, is there anything that you want to plug or share before we close out the show? Yeah. So if, if anybody is interested in learning more about Kanban, we just just uh, a couple of years ago, we started a, a community called ProKanban.org. So P-R-O, ProKanban.org. Um, that, that should be your one-stop shop for, for everything Kanban. For if, yeah. if you're just starting out on your flow journey, uh, please come check us out. Um, we, we, we want to um, create a, um, a, you know, a safe, diverse, inclusive community for, for, for people to, to learn about this stuff. So many, for so many years, Kanban has not had, has not had that type of community. So um, if you're interested, come check us out. And just for fun, if you're interested, uh, Pratik Singh, I mentioned Pratik before, Pratik Singh and I have a, uh, have a YouTube channel that we call Drunk Agile, where we, we do, we just get around, we drink and we, we complain about stuff. So Nice. Usually, usually related to agile. So if that's your thing, then, you know, please, you know, please come join us there too. And, uh, you know, d- drop us a line, maybe drop us some questions. I probably should, Austin and Chris, I should have you, if you're, if you're whiskey drinkers, we probably should have you on that uh, as well. So. <laughs> I can be convinced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I see. I really have to twist your arm there. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All righty. Well, uh, yeah. So uh, with that, um, you know, uh, to our audience, uh, if you know somebody that maybe uh, has some things in their backlog aging a little bit too long and are starting to smell a little fermented, um, or uh, maybe uh, somebody who's struggling with predictability and talking about metrics and uh, and story points, then uh, you can share this episode with them. Uh, and, you know, be sure to like, subscribe, ring the bell and, uh, and, you know, share on social media and all that. And then, uh, thank you, Daniel, for being on the show with us and to our audience. We'll see you all next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks to both of you. Thanks. Thanks to everybody else for joining. Appreciate the opportunity to be here. Thank you.